Good afternoon. You are tuned into uclaradio.com. This is The Menu. I'm Henry. And I'm Belize. The Menu is UCLA Radio's premier food show. We talk about everything food, everything LA, food scene, everything culinary. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting down to the end of the year. Yeah. Um, we have a very exciting guest with us. Yeah, we have Michelle Nielsen with us today, General Manager of West 3rd Street um, Bluestone Lane Coffee Shop. Um, Bluestone Lane, if you don't know, is a go-to, I mean, it's my (laughs) go-to, my go-to local for premium coffee uh, and healthy, delicious eats, and um, it's influenced by Melbourne slash Australian cafe culture. Um, yeah, so... Thank you very much for being on the show with us today, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, so let's let's start off with our usual question. What did you have this week? To eat. Yeah. To eat. <laughs> Is there anything <laughs> exciting you had to eat this week? Um, I mean, at home, leftover soup. I'm, I'm pretty good at making soup. Oh. So that's that's the highlight of my week so far, <laughs> <laughs> well, is homemade soup. <laughs> not, what type of soup was it? Uh, it's a beef soup. So oh. just like really chunky, lots of vegetables. Yeah. Nice. Favorite thing. It's been cold. It's been, um, it yeah. hasn't been great weather up until today. Today's amazing. I know. Today mm-hmm. is beautiful mm-hmm. today. I'm very thankful for today. Yeah. Yeah. What about, about you? I, f- I totally <laughs> forgot. I, don't, I haven't thought about it yet. So here goes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, on... On Sunday, I went to Tartine Manufactory. Yes. Um, I haven't it, been yet. Me neither. Yeah. It, it was my second yeah. time there, and it's absolutely amazing. I um, We had the uh, butter bean hummus and eggplant dip with assorted breads, and their bread is amazing. I can just eat that bread on its own without anything else it's so amazing it's so flavorful fluffy like sour like crunchy on the outside and apparently they don't even use yeast it's just fermentation yeah um fermentation they just how do they do that so just like water salt and they let it sit um yeah flour and they let it sit with like natural bacteria mm -hmm. in the air Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's, it's it's really good though. Um, would definitely recommend. And then, um, so Tartine Manufactory is at the row, and there's Smorgasburg every Sunday. So I went and got myself a donut from Donut Friend, <laughs> my favorite donut shop in Los Angeles, <laughs> and it was delicious. Yeah, sounds yummy. It was. Um, <laughs> let's see. I did not have a crazy adventurous weekend. Um, uh, in terms of food, uh, we went to Audrey uh, oh, yeah. right here in Westwood. Audrey at the Hammer, um, which is the new, uh, new-ish um, escalated, I don't know, food at the, at the local <laughs> Westwood Museum. <laughs> um, we got drinks. They were. Del- I I very much liked my drink and got to try everyone else's drink. That was fun. Um, and a cheese plate. Very simple. Nothing crazy. Um, and then I have been in my food class, um, I'm in a science and food class, we've been making, uh, 
or we've been tasked with doing a science project mm. um, with food and we've been having to do multiple iterations of um, almond olive oil cake, almond lemon olive oil cake. Um, hasn't come out that great, but uh. it's been it's been a great lesson. Um, some of them are good, some of them are not. It's been a great mm-hmm. lesson in, in um, baking, uh, especially with nuts. We like blended our own mm-hmm. almonds to make almond flour. Mm. And so, yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, it's been an interesting experience. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into our interview. Um, first, first off, um, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Townsville in North Queensland in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what sort of relationship you had with food when you were growing up there? Or coffee, or yeah. drinks, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, food, I could do both. Food was very, I mean, my most of my memories from food growing up is very home, home cooked. Like, both my parents were really great, great at cooking, and they both cooked a lot. Um, and they were always very health conscious. My mom worked uh, for a gym, and my dad traveled a lot with music, so my mom was always being very inventive and trying to keep things fresh. So food is something we did a lot at home. Um, but I mean, in my work history, I've, I've worked at a brewery um, and I've worked at a lot of, I guess you would call them fine dining or very fast paced cafe style um, venues that have, I mean, thinking back on it, they've been, they've been pretty outstanding. I've, <laughs> I've picked some pretty wonderful places to work. I've definitely not gone in the direction of working in, you know, your mum and pop shop cafe. I've <laughs> definitely gone to pretty looking venues that do pretty looking food. Um, but it was interesting working for a brewery, learning about learning about beer and fermentation and learning about bread and, and how s- so many different um, in- ingredients or so many different things have a similar process. Mm-hmm. It helps learning about beer and learning about wine really helped me develop an understanding of how coffee works and it things make a lot more sense now that I've had such a varied field of knowledge in like fruit and vegetables and then alcohol yeah so I'd say like a pretty wide spectrum growing up I've learned pretty much everything yeah can you describe a little bit about those places like what which which places or what sort of places if we don't know what they are um so in Queensland, um, back in my hometown, I worked for um, a brewery called the Townsville Brewing Co. It was a microbrewery, and we had um, like a a tavern bar on one side. It was a mass. It used to be a really old, old post office that they turned into this multi venue. Um, and then one side was like a fine dining restaurant that did like like steaks and I don't know pastas, but like really nice stuff. Um, and then upstairs was a, was a function hall that did weddings. So the kitchen downstairs kind of smashed out lots of different things, um, which was really cool. Um, and I didn't do a lot with the beer side of things, but I definitely tasted a lot of different stuff all the time because they were always brewing different things. Um, and then uh, moving away from Queensland after working at a bunch of other coffee chains, which weren't great, um, and I started to learn a little bit more about coffee. I then moved to Melbourne to learn a whole lot more about coffee, which is 
the coffee capital of Australia, which is where everybody goes to learn more about coffee. Um, I started kind of making my way into some really, really fast-paced cafes uh, like Higher Ground, um, which is in the Melbourne CBD, Top Paddock, which is in um, a suburb in, where is it, Richmond. Um, Where else? The Kettle Black was another one that was owned by the same company. Um, Yeah, they're kind of similar cafes, a little bit different, offering just food local like local produce um but like at a really really fast pace so like never throw like trying their best to never throw anything out and trying to be super sustainable and never like waste anything but always using the freshest of the fresh kind of stuff Mm. yeah that's my whole life experience (laughs) (laughs) in a nutshell (laughs) um what did you initially want it to be before getting into you know, all, all the food the, stuff. All this stuff. Um, yeah. A few different things. I kind of wanted to do a lot of things. I I think my earliest memory of what I wanted to do with my life was be an architect. I like, oh. I really like to draw. I don't do it much anymore, but um, that's kind of evolved into a few different things. I've wanted to do landscape design before, and I, I've always wanted to be a florist. Um, and then I kind of dib, dibbed and dabbed Um, in a bit of interior design, but I studied photography and graphic design back in Australia. So photography is a big passion. It's just not something I've really taken seriously yet. So you never know. Um, (laughs) As a manager, um, do you get to, uh, in in your store, um, in your location, I don't know what the correct vernacular is, (laughs) It, it store is a good word for it. It's okay. it's a it's a venue. Okay. It's a little bit of a beast sometimes. <laughs> do you do you get to explore a little bit of interior design or like photography oh, and social media do, on the daily? So you do. Okay, great. And I, and I don't that. know whether that's just me, but I, I I think I tend to incorporate that into my daily routine or weekly routine constantly. Um, I I guess what I was going to say is that. I think that that's an an important part to the manager's role in a sense, constantly making sure that the store is always looking the most pleasing so that we create, we're constantly creating it, creating an experience where people can come in and feel um, comfortable and feel welcomed. Um, Like my earliest memories in art in like primary school, like when I was really, really young was learning about how colors create moods. And, you know, that translated into some stuff that I learned in interior design and decoration that certain shapes and certain colors create moods and um, make people feel a certain way. And those things have just kind of stuck with me. And I I tend to find myself positioning things constantly to kind of affect those moods. And something really stands out when, when it when something doesn't look right. It really stands out to me. So I'm, I'm, I, I do that a lot or I notice it a lot and I don't know whether that's just me but I think it's a helpful thing to create a space and create a mood and create a vibe and, you know, mm. yeah. So, yeah, I do that all the time. That's, that's I definitely do. <laughs> Where do you think that sort of intuition of what looks good comes from? Comes from... Maybe, I guess, having 
I don't I don't don't necessarily know if it's a gift. I think it may be previously along the way it's been maybe drilled into me in some way that and I remember I remember one of my managers back in Queensland, this really, really, really busy cafe that I worked at on the water, um, on the beach. She was like she was super pedantic. She needed everything to be really zen. She wanted salts and peppers in the same place on every table. And we had like 100, 120 tables or 130 tables. So that's a lot of tables to think about all the time. That's a lot of like little dot points to, to make sure that it checked. But it, you, you kind of get into the habit of wanting to impress this person or, or wanting to make this person feel comfortable. Um, so, you know, you figure out little ways to make that faster for yourself. And I definitely carried that with me because I could see, you know, once I did it and once I saw what she asked me to do, I could see how much neater everything looked and how much cleaner everything looked so that when something comes out, you know, on the table, for example, and the customer gets to look at it, they're not kind of distracted by anything else because, you know, when you're sitting on a table of two and there's a crazy busy restaurant around you, you want to feel like there's not a crazy busy restaurant around you. And little things like that can really help you um, pay more attention, I guess, to the person in front of you as opposed to, like, the dirty table next to you or something that just shouldn't be on that table, like a giant vase with flowers, mm-hmm. but no one can fit their food on it. Little stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, that I guess that intuition comes from practice and having someone teach me that. And it stuck with me. I, I believed in that mm-hmm. as soon as I heard it. I was like, ah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's great. You've, you're thinking of yourself because you don't like looking at it, but you're thinking of many others at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Did you, was there a moment where while you were starting to work in all these different places, you were like, oh, yes, this is what I want to do in the future? Or Um, was it just like a natural progression? I think a lot of it was just natural progression. Mm -hmm. I tend to have a bit of a habit of, um, I mean, I like to do a lot of things, but I have a bit of a habit in my life of, sticking around somewhere for about a year and a half and (laughs) and I think hospitality is like that you kind of you feel it after about a year year and a half maybe two years depending on the person um you're like okay I've done everything I can do now Mm. um some people take a little longer than others but I I figure things out pretty quickly and I need I need a change or maybe a change in the role and Mm -hmm. it depends where you work some places offer that some places don't offer that it's an interesting segue into where I work now because that has been maybe the only place that could potentially offer me many, many, many um, different avenues to go down, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm. Um, how would you uh, describe your position to um, listeners as a general manager? How would I describe my like what what do you do your, your responsibilities yes um, my responsibilities are being available most if not all of the time <laughs> <laughs> um, not always physically but definitely verbally via phone um, but my my responsibilities are you know number one making sure that the cafe has got all of its bases covered. In terms of sections, so rostering is a is a daily 
a daily thing that I'm double checking. Um, on top of that, kind of debriefing the day that I have with myself to make sure I can e- at least plan. And it's 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 so easy to say in in theory, but it doesn't always happen in practice because days days can go so quick and days can also go so slow that you're paying attention to something else to keep you busy, but trying to think about the week ahead in terms of days to kind of make sure you're just treating each day like it's a different day because each day is a very different day. Um, And that kind of leads you into learning about your demographic and your clientele and understanding why each day is so different. Um, But those are the kinds of things that I am thinking about all the time. And then on top of that, just making sure that orders are being done, if not by me, by someone else if I'm not there. Um, And not only that, but daily I'm just making sure I'm interacting with my teammates all the time. I'm always talking to them, noticing them, um, listening to them, um, and trying to not always teach them how to do something that they'd, if they're not gen, if they're not doing it exactly the right way, they'll probably figure it out. But, um, just trying to get them to engage with others more. That's really Mm -hmm. all I do every day. It's a lot, but it's kind of, I do it all the time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like some of those things I would be doing regardless of if I was in that role. But yeah. Um, How would you describe like the atmosphere and the working environment of um, Bluestone Lane? Mm -hmm. Um, The the first word that came to my head was like airy. (laughs) And um, (laughs) the atmosphere I think that we're trying to create that I think most places do create is like very ambient um, and breezy. You know, you come in and you've got a little bit of like breathing room to try and figure out what's going on. Um, And yeah, breezy is what comes to mind. That's the kind (laughs) of environment we have. It's like, it's chill. There's a lot of things you can look at. There's a lot to take in, but all of a sudden somebody comes up and asks you a question and you can kind of figure it all out because someone's there to help you. Yeah. Do you consider um, like lighting in your store? Is there, I mean, you might just have a window, but. We, we have a lot of windows. I'd say we're pretty bright, pretty, pretty green and blue, pretty like watery and fresh. There's a lot, there's, I think lighting's pretty important. We're not, we're not a, a dark, uh, a dark <laughs> moody. Colored, uh, not a moody, that moody's a good word. We're not a moody um, scene kind of company-wide look. We're definitely very like bright. Yeah, white walls. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time there's sunshine coming in because we're open at 7, if not 6.30. So mm. most of the cafes have got the sun shining in. Um, so you have to be an early riser, huh? Definitely. I mean, in, L- in LA, for sure. <laughs> and I've been to New York a few times and they have a lot of uh, ease getting around. But in LA, my gosh, yeah. And I've only been here for a year and I still struggle. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everyone struggles. So, <laughs> But yeah, early riser. What time do you definitely. have to get up? Um, to be about at work by seven. I mean, I live in Venice and the West Hollywood location that's kind of outside of West Hollywood. Um, I give myself a good like hour or 45 minutes if I want to get there as cheaply as possible, you know, Uber life. But, <laughs> um, 
Um, but sometimes really early, it's only about half an hour. So yeah, I wake, so if I'm getting to work at seven, I'd wake up at like maybe five, 5.30. I try, my boyfriend likes to make, he, my boyfriend's actually incredible with coffee. <laughs> Um, and he's lovely and he makes me coffee in the morning sometimes because he gets out way, way earlier than me. But, um, so sometimes there'll be leftover cold brew for the both of us cause he'll put it in the fridge. But yeah, I try and make a coffee in the morning to try and start my day. But yeah, pretty early, like five, five, six, depending on the day. Wow. Yeah. And then I'm at work probably until, and it seems so silly that I'm here this late, but I'm, I'm probably at work until about five or six most days. So that'll be five days a week. Um, and it's, and I mean, like I take my days off, we get two days a week. We make, and the company makes sure that we, we take those days off, even though you always feel like a little bit guilty sometimes. (laughs) Um, you feel guilty not working seven days a week? No, just like not being able to be there all the time Mm. and like see, and you know, when you take your two days off, you have it, most stores, most cafes generally will have an assistant manager or a team captain who is meant to fill your role when you're not there. But you, I, I don't know, I always feel like that's never somebody else's role. They're not getting paid for it. Like I always feel like that should be me, but I can't work at work <laughs> seven days a week and someone else is very capable of helping out too. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's like your baby or something. It is. I'm very protective of my uh. baby. <laughs> I love them very much. Uh. And I've worked at most of the stores now, so I feel like they're all my babies. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, So... Speaking of waking up early and taking mm-hmm. days off, what do you think is the most difficult part of your job? Um, I w- so making a perfect roster. <laughs> what do you mean by roster for those who don't know? Oh, a schedule. Sorry. Mm. Roster, that's very Australian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a schedule. So making a perfect schedule where everybody kind of has all the days off or all the availabilities that they've asked for. Um, and like every day is covered at its most or at its l- least to suit the day. So I'm not wasting labor or missing out on labor. But um, but also kind of trying to balance whether or not it works around my schedule too, which a lot of the time it doesn't, which is part of the job, which is fine. Um, but sometimes you just can't always give that person that day off. And that sucks. That that just really sucks. It, mm-hmm. I hate that. You always hate that. But, yeah, I think that's probably the hardest. Roster, uh, sorry, schedules can, be, <laughs> schedules can be really hard, really, really hard. Because it'll always be that weekend that somebody wants a weekend off, that mm. everybody wants the weekend off. Um, For Coachella. Totally, totally. <laughs> which I still haven't been to. <laughs> So buggered that I haven't been to Coachella yet, but <laughs> maybe next year. We'll see. Um, but other than that, I, the hardest, I think, like, there's just, I think managing in itself, there's no really, there's no real hard, no task is too hard. It's, it's if you don't have time management and if you don't designate one day to get more than one thing done, you're always kind of having to, do two or three things on a day where you really didn't want to do anything. Um, And it's, I guess at times it's hard to juggle a lot of things. So the more you can get done, the less little things you have to juggle. So time management's really, 
the no-brainer. Mm-hmm. If you can like manage your time really well and commit to doing things right there when you have the chance to do them and like you know a, a really strong manager is somebody who can action things straight away and like be ruthless at times and just kind of go yep no this has to be done and I'm not going to even think twice about it because at least it gets done if it doesn't get done then it has to get done tomorrow and that just creates more drama for yourself so yeah it's sometimes it's really hard to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to get to. Sometimes it's hard to be ruthless, especially like for my personality. I can't help but think of the other thing that I'm trying to not think of. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody can be ruthless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is like a two-parter. First of all, mm-hmm. how big is your team? Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like at, uh, being a manager, you have to be okay with sometimes being the bad guy. Oh, yeah. How do you um, reconcile that with your team? Um, So first question I have, I mean, including the kitchen, two, four, six. I think I have about like 20, 25, maybe pushing 30 staff. I mean... I don't necessarily manage the kitchen. In in the next month or so, I, I will be taking over. Um, we're kind of restructuring our cafe manager role where the manager's going to have a little bit more control. Well, not a little bit more. They're going to take over doing the schedule for the kitchen as well. So that, that whole store will be my team. So I'll be doing more schedules, <laughs> um, which is more things added to my list, which is fine which is great. That just means I need to give other things away. Um, so yeah, pretty big team. Um, I'm kind of used, used to working with big teams though. I think it's, I, I was having this conversation with um, this lady this morning um, that sometimes it's easier to manage more people than it is to manage one. And how I think of it is that the more people I have to kind of manage, the more ways I can let go of things because I, I just don't have the time to, to be fine detail about too much. So if I set tasks for a few people as opposed to one person, if I was dedicating time with one person, I'd be pretty like pretty involved or pretty in depth about what I was doing with them. Whereas if it's like 10 people, I kind of have to just accept that I can't give that much attention to 10. So I have to just disperse it evenly. So it kind of lets you get over maybe you're micromanaging or expectations of what you want those 10 people to do, which is a good thing. That's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you can trust that people are going to do it how they're going to do it, but they're going to do it the way that it should be. You have to have that trust. But, um, so it's a good thing managing more people in a way. Um, what was the second question? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, so that sometimes you sounds like you have to be the bad guy. Oh, the bad guy yeah. And how do you sort of reconcile that with um, yourself, I guess, and your team team members? Um, I I'm pretty honest with them. Like I like I feel pretty comfortable, and I think I've just been able to build that relationship with them. Like this team that I'm with now, we've been through a lot of, I guess, ups and downs. So this team is, this team's been through a lot with me, and I've come back from another store. So it, it's been nice to reconnect with them. So I think um, the way that I've handled it the best is just kind of 
just coming up a little later in the day and being like that I wanted to bring to your attention that I was like this and I didn't mean to do that and if that was frustrating I'm I'm really sorry for that like I'm pretty honest with them I guess um maybe too honest <laughs> maybe probably too personal but I'm I'm what am I trying to say I'm I handle I'm okay with I'm okay with being the fool in a situation because I'd rather be the fool than have somebody else be the fool. Because I think at times it's harder to build somebody up from the bottom and I feel like it's a lot easier for me to build myself up from the bottom. So if I can just constantly worry about myself or put more work into making, or no, not put more work into making myself feel better, but carry that load, I'm, I'm happy to carry that load because it makes it easier for me to be like, I'm sorry if I did that. I don't think I made much sense then. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard being the bad guy. And I think about it sometimes. But then, I don't know, you go home and you have a bath and you watch an Instagram video and you mm -hmm. just go, it's fine. It's really okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really okay. <laughs> so it's, it only like plays on my mind if I don't actively think about right then in that moment how can I make it better tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Or what would I do tomorrow instead? And sometimes if I just visualize it a little bit, I'm like, oh, there's a solution. I'm sure it'll happen in the moment when I need it to. Nothing can be perfect. Totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I probably worry more than most managers. And you don't need to <laughs> at all. People are fine. They've got their own, like, they've got their own, like, um, self-care. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so let's let's dive into mm -hmm. our favorite subject a little bit, which is food uh -huh. and coffee. Okay. Um so what type of coffee do you serve at Bluestone Lane? Um I would love to tell you what uh bean blends they are and I'm pretty naughty, I should know that. But um <laughs> uh we have three well, we have decaf as well, but we have three um, like main bags, I guess. Um, our Maverick, which is the green bag, which is our um, our espresso blend, and I'm pretty sure it's a Brazilian and a Colombian mix. I feel like there's a third, but I might be wrong. Um, which we use for all of our espresso-based drinks. Um, so our espresso-based drinks mainly with milk is what I'm trying to say. So, like, for our flat whites, um, our lattes and cappuccinos, anything made with, um, like, our hot chocolates and our and our mochas are made with that as well. Um, then we have a single O that rotates every six months, so half a year we get a different one. So, at the moment, it's a Peru. It's from Peru, sorry. Um wish I could remember where the last one was from, but it's been <laughs> so long now. Um, and we serve that for all of our, our black espresso. Mm -hmm. um, so long blacks, just espressos, um, iced espressos or like iced long blacks um, or Americanos, which is what you guys would call them. Um, and then we have the Flagstaff, which is our filter brew, our filter blend. Um 
which should be, I actually don't know what beans they are, but they rotate at times as well because we're always changing it up. Um, but that's for our brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for our cold brew as well. Yeah. What sort of, um, I, so I know nothing about coffee. I don't drink coffee, but there's- oh, at all? No. Wow, proud but, of you. <laughs> thanks. Um, but there is, So, I, but I love food, and, mm. and I realize, like food, there is a whole world of coffee, and it's really exciting, even though I, like, I don't drink it, I want to. It, anyway, um, <laughs> I know there's a whole uh, world of like different sort of processes to, to make the coffee. There's mm-hmm. the drip and the press and the, all that other stuff. I don't know. Mm. What sort of stuff, um, what sort of methods, I guess, do you utilize at Bluestone Lane? And also, I don't know, can you, maybe even if you don't use it, can you inform us slash me? Um, like what coffee making methods there are and how those differ. Um, so we, so the Maverick we we grind. Um, well, the Maverick espresso blend has been roasted specifically for espresso, so we use that in our espresso machines. Right. So we would we would um, and we actually we actually use a pretty um, like scientific, um, not scientific, like a pretty methodical. Um, what am I trying to say? We we use like a very efficient way to um, to make our espresso. We we dose every um, every grind that we get before we put it into the espresso machine. Like everything's weighed out accordingly. So we're always and our our machines have been programmed to disperse the right amount of water and the same amount of water and the same at the same time all the time, um, so that we're constantly grinding the same amount and then extracting the same amount so that you're always getting the right amount and the right ratio of milk. Um, and I mean, that goes into our training with baristas. Our baristas are pretty good. They're, they're, they're really, really good um, at making sure that that is always happening every time we make espresso. But um, I don't know if you've ever used an espresso machine, but we don't tamp um, at all. We use this incredible, amazing little device called a puck press which you put your um your group head into and it and it presses the grinds down already so a little robotic and a little streamlined but it's it means that we can get the espresso the espresso right every time because it's evenly dispersed and it's even evenly pressed down um and they're amazing they're so they're such cool little machines. But um, so they're at all of our stores, which is great. Not a lot of cafes in the States have them, um, which is a cool little talking point. If anyone is nerdy about coffee, puck presses are amazing and everyone should have one. <laughs> um, get rid of the get rid of the tamp. No one likes to tamp anymore. And plus it hurts your arm. Um, but as far as like brew coffee, we we brew our coffee in batches, so we don't serve pour overs in any of our stores. Um, our coffee is totally fine to make pour overs, though. So, um, I mean, the the process of what we'd be doing is same same thing with the filter. We would dose out our we we dose out or section out our grinds to sorry our beans to grind for a particular size. We weigh it out and we have them all in like special jars that are, you know, ready to go. Um, and we do that throughout the day. And then we would make a batch of coffee and rotate it every two hours so that it's never sitting for too long and it always stays hot. We just keep doing that daily until we run out. 
Um, but yeah, as far as like uh, like pour overs and aero presses, like the whole team are across. Like we're trying our coffee every day and we're always tasting our hot brew regardless of whether we make the same recipe all the time because roasting coffee, people like, people sometimes forget that coffee comes, that coffee is a fruit, you know, you're, and the way we kind of teach flavor profiles in like our training sessions is that coffee, just like, say for example, um, like a bottle of milk is always best or even like a fruit, for example, is always really, really best before it goes bad like the ripest food like the ripest ripest moment is when uh, you know a banana or an apple is going to taste its best it's Mm going to taste its sweetest so we're always trying to chase whenever we extract coffee or whenever we're um, grinding a particular way in order to make uh, a batch of a batch of coffee or even just pull a couple of shots we're always making sure that we are grinding it and timing it at its furthest point so that we can figure out how we can go a little bit further back to get the sweetest every time um our our roast is i found out the other day i thought our roast was like a medium to dark i thought we we roasted pretty dark but it's actually kind of medium on the spectrum of of most roasts Mm -hmm. in in the states so it's a little lighter than what i want than what i thought it was but um we definitely don't roast super light like i know that there's some other cafes um that have some really, really light roasts, especially with their black coffee, and they, they almost taste more acidic. We're, we're definitely on the chocolatey, uh, nutty, mm-hmm. maybe jammy kind of like berry taste, um, but we're definitely not super, super sour or super, super dark. We're right, right in the middle, right in the middle. <laughs> Sounds like the coffee I'd like sweet. All really the sweetness, sweet. <laughs> all the sweetness. Yeah. But we, like, I mean, we, we go into a lot of effort to make sure that our baristas are... Um, always tasting and learning as much as possible about the coffee yeah Mm -hmm. do you ever get tired of coffee yeah (laughs) i mean my go-to is a flat white Mm. Um, what does that mean that is um it's a flat flat as in flat foam white as in milky coffee so it's uh it's it's a latte basically with less foam so it when you and so, like, latte, flat white, cappuccino. A cappuccino is going to be mostly foam, which means there's mostly oxygen, mm-hmm. which means when you drink it, you're going to taste the coffee quicker because you're just basically drinking air with less milk. So a cappuccino is always going to be stronger. If you're going to close your eyes and drink it, it's going to be stronger. A latte is going to be in between the two. It's got, it, it traditionally is served in a bigger glass, so it's milkier, um, but there's a little bit more foam than a flat white. So it's technically a little bit more balanced, even though there's more milk. And a flat white is mostly, ser- like in Australia, will be served in a tiny cup. Like it's one shot, it's in a tiny cup, and it's just really, really silky flat milk. So it's it's balanced again because there's only one shot Um but it's mainly milk, so it's it's going to taste a lot creamier, even though it's smaller. Um, ideally, you're trying to get the right ratio of milk to coffee, but we in Australia we tend to not. It's pretty like a, if you go to Australia, you're not going to get a double shot in anything unless it's a takeaway, and even still, our takeaway sizes are so small um, that if you want another shot of coffee, you just order another coffee. That's the mm-hmm. kind of that's the 
mentality that we have. So adding another shot is kind of blasphemous. You wouldn't do it. Um, and if you did, you'd want to add more milk. So I think that's where things like the latte came about if we were to go back in time in, in the history of coffee. Because, um, I mean, latte means milk. So back in Italy, they would just add milk to coffee and then it all happened. And then someone took it and turned it into other things <laughs> and created a mocha. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so what you, so, you sort of mentioned um, um, coffee <laughs> blasphemy back home. <laughs> what what is um, Australian? Or you said you were in Melbourne a little bit. Melbourne, Melbourne for about four or five years before I, before and, I came here. Um, and so, what is coffee culture like um, back there? Back in Melbourne. Um, it's it's like this um it's like this how do I describe it? It's like this giant book club that everyone <laughs> this like secret book club that like everybody just seems to be at. So it's it's not so secret anymore. It's just it's it's the coffee scene in Melbourne is just so available and everywhere it's like there's there's no con- contrast even though even though we have Starbucks there's no contrast of terrible terrible coffee shop and really good coffee shop like it's as though everybody it's like somebody threw all of the paper of all of the knowledge that everyone needed to know from the rooftop and everyone got a piece of the pie and just went oh this is really really easy um and I think that's probably because a lot of people share knowledge freely and a lot of people collaborate with each other a lot. A lot of people are forced to compete with the per- – like Melbourne's very dense, so you're kind of forced to compete with the person next to you because if you don't make coffee as well as them, then you're probably going to lose your business. Um, and I think there's just a lot of young um, like creatives who are making money teaching really old cafes how to make better coffee. That seems to be what what has been happening for a long time. Um, yeah, I feel like you you just won't find a terrible coffee in Melbourne anymore because everybody is either roasting their own, kind of like with beer now, everybody seems to know how to make their own beer and it's like you can never find a bad beer because everyone's figured out the experimentation, like anyone can brew beer now. Um, but everyone can, everyone can figure out how to roast coffee. Everyone can create a roastery in, in a random location somewhere. And there's just so much knowledge that's right there in front of you that everybody seems to be figuring out and using and sharing with others and then like broadcasting what they've created and someone else is doing it too. And yeah, there just seems to be a lot of knowledge that everyone has access to. Nobody wants to hide anything from anyone. If anything, if anything, everyone's a little bit bored and wanting someone to figure out something new now because everyone's just doing the same thing. It's kind of yeah. Melbourne is on a scary little slope of being too similar, so mm. it's pushing for more creativity. I think right now, it might need to because <laughs> yeah. everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Mm. But it but it just means you can get great coffee everywhere, which is awesome <laughs> um so 
now that you live here, mm-hmm. how would you describe like the difference between Melbourne and Los Angeles, food-wise and culture-wise? Food-wise, food-wise, I definitely think the f- the. Hard to say whether the food. If there's great food here. Maybe I just haven't found enough of it. I think good food or maybe organic food is much cheaper back in Australia and a little mm. bit more accessible. Um, yeah, I think you're you're gonna go in in LA. You're gonna. F- you're going to find places that have great, great food and organic food, but you, you have to go to a particular place to find it. Mm-hmm. You can go to the market around the corner. Um, that's You could go there once and still find better food than you would at the supermarket. Mm. Um, and I think, I think good food or just fresh food or local produce is just so much more available back home. Um, but to to be honest, I probably haven't done enough food exploration. Um, I really do want to go to Tartine. Um, I've be, I've been inside of it before, but I never <laughs> ate there. Um, and I think that I think that LA has definitely got a lot of um, a lot of creatives like really trying their hardest to put um, some like exciting new locations in, especially in areas that might not have anything like that. Like the the row, the um, downtown LA, the row is amazing. And there's just so much potential for that area to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it just needs more people down there um, doing the same thing. So I feel like LA is what Melbourne was however many years ago. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. That's exciting because yeah. with all of the people in the area that have all of the knowledge from however long ago, that LA could potentially be the the Melbourne Melbourne wants to be, you know, <laughs> like it could, everything could be flipped on its head. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's it's exciting to be part of that. Totally, as well. totally. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It just makes me want to be down there every day, like <laughs> doing something down there. Mm-hmm. But, um, it makes me. I'm like, why didn't I never do? cooking why did I never be a chef that would be amazing (laughs) to open up like a venue and create food that that would be awesome um but totally too many too many balls in the court I'll leave that to somebody who's got their life dedicated to it I'll collab with them you know (laughs) there you go um how how does uh bluestone lane or and your how do you at your store Mm -hmm. um try to sort of bring that like Australian or Melbourne um, coffee culture to LA that might be lacking in the sort of community aspect of it? Um, I think, so people ask this all the time. They ask this, what's, you know, tell us about the Australian vibe or they, they're trying to figure out what's Australian about it. Um, which leads people to think that there's blue stones in Australia, which there isn't. There's no blue stones in Australia. Oh. Yeah, at all. Interesting it's crazy. fact. I, I know. did not know that. People would, yeah, I, I mean, if I came up and asked, I would have expected there to be blue stones in Australia too. Um, but there isn't. So 
I think the biggest thing that we're trying to bring is knowledge and a, and a talking point. And I think what we're trying to do is have people talk about talk about coffee again and get excited about coffee, which is I think which people are already excited about coffee because they love coffee, but to get them excited about something new in coffee, which is, I think has been the hardest thing uh, maybe for America to do in a really long time is to get people um, excited about coffee in a sense where they're willing to pay more for an even better product. I watched um, I watched this film called A Film About Coffee um, like probably four years ago, maybe six years ago. Um, when I was working at this cafe back in Melbourne and it just it changed everything with coffee for me it just I watched this video about literally from one farm to the process of the person buying the coffee from that farm and everything in between was just so real and so raw and you saw that how much effort goes into just making one cup of coffee and how different places all over the world kind of treat it and treat it really beautifully um, and I mean, I mean, that's not what Bluestone's trying to do. We're not trying to be this artisan, um, pretentious. You know, you have to have your coffee a specific way, and if you don't have it, we're going to judge you for it. Which Melbourne can definitely have that vibe. There's a lot of individuals or a lot of tiny boutique places that really respect you, respecting how they do coffee, um, which is fine. We need those places. Um, it makes sense, but. We just want to share the fact that it's Bluestone's taken coffee and shared it across America and made it super easy and super accessible and got it's it's okay. Like you went to Melbourne once and you had a great coffee. We can bring that here too. And it can be in every corner of every area that you are. Not super saturated like so that it's not quality your local place or your local spot can be a couple of like really close to where you live or you can find it when you go and travel somewhere and I think that's what we're trying to bring to the table is that that's what Australia is is trying to be your next door neighbor everywhere in a way if that makes sense and so that like the only way that we can do that is not talk about our coffee like it's this pretentious thing like ours is better than somebody else's it's hey I noticed that you bought those beans because you brew your own at home. I don't think that they were the right beans. You should try this instead. Mm-hmm. Not because ours is better, mm-hmm. but because I know a little bit more about coffee than you clearly do, but that's why I'm here to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> and to be like funny about it and to be like, oh, coffee seems to be so hard, but it's not. It's really, really easy. You just have to treat it really, really simply. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do. Just to be a bit, bit more chill about coffee. <laughs> Nice. Um, my computer unfortunately just died. But <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> hate it's it the when worst. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was hoping it was four percent, so I was hoping it would, it would, you know, uh, carry keep up through. And normally like it does every other time. A couple more minutes. That's <laughs> fine. Um, I was gonna ask, um, mm. what is your favorite thing to get at Bluestone? Lane? At Bluestone. Um, 
I love scrambled eggs. I get scrambled eggs with everything. But um, our green, I, I tell people this all the time, our green baked eggs are awesome. They're spinach, they're in this little black skillet that we bake. So we fill it with spinach, chimichurri, mm. which is like a herb dressing. And I'd only, I'd only had it in America. I'd never eaten it in Australia before. I was like, why did I not think to like <laughs> blend all of these ingredients together? It's so <laughs> simple and so delicious. So, so easy to make. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love. Like everything that I can look at when I'm eating at a cafe and go, oh, I can make this. I'm like, yeah, impressed. <laughs> You've just taken everything that looked hard and made it easy for me. That's awesome. Um, chimichurri, spinach, feta, tomatoes, and we crack eggs into it and then bake it. And then you just kind of mix it up and eat it with bread. And I think that's the best thing in the world because it's so easy to eat. Um, that and our burrito, our breakfast burrito is good. Scrambled eggs in a wrap, I'm happy. (laughs) I'm pretty happy. And there's potatoes in it, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, those are my two favorite. I mean... Our little kiosks and coffee shops, though, they only do the toast. So an avo toast is always... Yeah. Or an avo toast and a banana toast combo. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Little savory and sweet. Savory sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, li- yeah. I like the banana toast a lot. I like mm. the almond butter. It's so good. And it's like I know, right? Sides. Oh, <laughs> a little bit of cinnamon on top. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> all you need. It's all you need. Yeah. Um, could live off that. How much time do we have? Five, three minutes, five minutes. Um, you talked a little bit about um, helping out um, your friend, the florist. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Poppy Lavender is her name. <laughs> well, Poppy that Lavender is not her last name, but Poppy <laughs> Lavender is a business name, so that's, I did the right thing there, yeah. Poppy Lavender. <laughs> do you want to uh, reassure um, me and everyone else who might want to do something in the food industry that you have other time, you know, you have more time to do other fun totally. stuff that you like? I'm here. I'm like, totally. Oh, man. I Working in hospitality has given me so many connections and I've made so many friends. I have, I have friends in every single country. I have friends in every city. I have constantly had people want to work with me, work with me for me work like there's so many that just the amount of connections you make and the in the amount of ways that you can not feel trapped in hospitality because it it it's so capable for anyone to come and learn how to do it and for somebody to come and um, take your spot or you're never locked into anything you can always I mean, as long as you as long as you have the skills of knowing how to build relationships with people, you'll always have the confidence to 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 speak your truth and to ask for what you need. That's the only thing that is required of a human being in any in any role is to like have those person like have those have that ability to build a relationship and be honest with somebody like I have so much free time. There, I make earrings. I made these earrings the other day. I, I cook every day. I make coffee for myself in the morning when I can. Like, I do have free time. You have free time. <laughs> you have a beautiful like opportunity to meet people that you would have never met in your life, and they can take you anywhere in the world. They, I mean, doing that took me to LA. Hospitality has been a gift. 
it's been such an easy, easy job, an easy job. <laughs> like I spent my life making coffee and bussing tables and serving people and talking to people. I get paid to talk <laughs> to people. That's literally <laughs> what I've done for like 10 years is talk to people <laughs> and maybe clear some tables. And I'm in LA because of it. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so easy. Anyone can do it. You just have to be a good person and like listen when you have to listen and maybe shut up when you have to shut up and speak when you need to speak. Like you have to pick your times. And be honest all the time. Always. Always. No one will get up you for being honest. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place to end it. Yeah. Thank Aww. you for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was very fun. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for letting we, me talk lots. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Aww, You're always welcome for, here. Thank you. Um, yeah. This was the menu on UCLAradio.com. I'm Belize. And I'm Henry. Um, we have our pledge drive going on, almost over. Yes. Um, we have three more days to go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you can, please consider donating to our Spark campaign, which is at um, spark.ucla.edu slash UCLA radio. Um, any amount would help. We're just trying to improve our station, get more equipment so that we can have more episodes on of the menu for you guys. Um, yeah. Thank you to Michelle for um, helping us out during a week of pledge drive. Yes. Um, thank you for hooking up us up with that coffee. Oh, you're so welcome. It was great. You're so so welcome. <laughs> I was hoping there'd still be some here. I was like, <laughs> I, I haven't have had some, a coffee. This, oh, really? <laughs> I think we have some in the fridge. We'll check it out. Oh, pretty old. Yeah. Probably. It's, it's like two weeks old now. If <laughs> you want to drink that, I'd be a bit fermenty. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We might have Unique some friends. Flavor. Mm, some, yeah, I've, <laughs> words I haven't developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and we will be here on UCLRadio.com next week, same time, 12 p.m., and we'll see you soon. Bye.